This episode of Kitchen Table Theology is brought to you by Jeff Cranston's new book, Your Greatest Adventure. When someone places their faith in Jesus Christ, it is the greatest, wisest, and best decision of their life and will pay dividends for all eternity. What happens after that decision has been made? Discover the answers to that question in Your Greatest Adventure. Learn more at jeffcranston.com. Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast. Where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, along with Pastor Jeff Cranston. We're systematically discerning what the scripture teaches regarding what a lot of us might believe to be out of reach theological topics. Lately, we've been diving into the doctrine of the person of God, and on today's podcast, we'll keep that going as we talk and learn about the grace of God. Pastor Jeff, I've been so looking forward to and excited about today's podcast because it is something that we so desperately need, something we often sing about, something that just has a a personal great meaning to me, and it's this concept of grace. You know, in worship, I think grace kind of always meets us at this point where it's God meeting us at our weakest, you know, in um, more contemporary songs like Run to the Father, where we fall into grace, this idea of this free fall into freedom where grace abounds. And then, of course, the standard hymn that we all know that has been redone several times at this point, (laughs) you know, Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me, this is deep, come and get me, meet with me, rescue me type language. When I think of songs, talking about songs there with the word grace, I have always loved the hymn, uh, Wonderful Grace of Jesus. And listener, if you've not heard that, look it up. It's uh, I think I like it because it's fast moving. I like <laughs> it because it has a good bass part in it. <laughs> it's but got a good wor- beat. You can dance to it. it <laughs> <laughs> you probably could, actually. Um, but... The writer says, wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall my praise begin? Taking away my burdens, setting my spirit free, for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. And the third stanza, wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching the most defiled. And mm-hmm. there, that kind of ties in with the hymn, Amazing Grace, mm-hmm. you know. By its transforming power, making him God's dear child, purchasing peace in heaven, for all eternity, and the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. And then the refrain is, Wonderful Beautiful. the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea. That's part that the men sing. Mm. And then the women come in, Higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all-sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgressions, greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus Praise His name. I love that song. Mm, And there's so much in our hymnody, our songs about grace. Why do you think that is? I think we 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 because we have to have grace. We need grace. We desire it, and we love it. I mean, we so we we sing about it. We name our daughters after it. We sure do. (laughs) Uh, It's one of God's most beautiful gifts to us. the, Mm. The the gift of grace, and it's one of God's attributes, the reason we're talking about it today. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I heard a story about D.L. Moody. I know there's lots of stories out there about D.L. Moody. And he, of course, as we know, loved to study the Bible topically. And it occurred to him one day that he'd never studied the subject of grace. So he set aside a day and gave himself to the study of God's grace. But a second day was required. (laughs) And as you can imagine, even on the third day, he had not quite finished his task. So by late afternoon in the third day, he was so filled with the subject that he ran out into the streets to talk to someone about it. And he stopped a complete stranger and said, hello, my friend, do you know anything about grace? And surprised at the question, the man replied, grace? Grace who? (laughs) Why? And Moody responded, the grace of God that brings salvation. I mean, can you imagine the look on his face? And then Moody then left the stranger standing in the street, now wondering about the grace of God. You know, he he did that. This is in Chicago, and um, I I went to seminary at at Moody in Mm. Chicago, and he would often do that. He would just go out on the street and just grab some complete stranger and say, are you saved? And they very uh, popular story was, you know, he did it one day to one guy, and the guy said, well, who do you think you are? How's that any of your business? He mm. says, well, I'm D.L. Moody, and it is my business. <laughs> and so he shared the gospel with the guy right there on the street corner. <laughs> he did that all the time. Oh, so gosh. No problem at all thinking that he went out there and grabs somebody and says, do you know anything about grace? Yeah. And, grace who? And what a, what a natural response that would probably be for a lot of people yeah, when they hear sure. that reference of grace. They think, as that person on the street did, <laughs> grace, grace who? who? So let's talk about grace today, and maybe we should start by defining it. I'm guessing we all have our ideas about what grace is, but it might help us to be on the same page for this podcast. So yeah, that might help. Might help. <laughs> a working primer. Yeah. Primer. Primer. Pastor Jeff, how about defining what grace is exactly from a theological point of view? Well, I'm happy to do that. Grace can be defined uh, many ways, but like we always want to do here, let's keep it keep it simple. I think we can define it as God's goodness shown to those who do not deserve it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty simple. God's grace, uh, I'm sorry, God's goodness shown to those who do not deserve us deserve it it's it's often grace is often defined as unmerited favor or undeserved goodwill and while all of that is true that really those two uh, phrases don't really express fully uh, the particular sense in which in which grace is is used in the New Testament we we should say that grace is God's unlimited, all-inclusive, transforming love toward sinful men and women. Uh, And the good news of this grace, as revealed in Jesus, is the power of God unto salvation. Paul says that in Romans 1.16. It's not merely God's mercy and God's willingness to forgive. It's an active grace. It's active. It's an energizing, transforming power to save. And that does give us a working definition, and I think there's lots of phrases out there. You know, I've heard that Graces could be expressed as mercy, not merit. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good one, too. So let's talk a little bit about what grace is. We've defined it, but how can we dive a little bit deeper into that? I think many of us tend to think of grace as a spiritual substance that God stores (laughs) in piles. You know, God has this gigantic pile of grace maybe behind his throne somewhere up in heaven. Like in a bucket? Yeah, just this <laughs> a mountain of grace. Yeah. And he dispenses his grace to his people down here below. And, you know, I think when we think like that, mm-hmm. grace becomes stuff 
that God gives us apart from himself. Sort of like, you know, you would give your child a piece of candy. You've got a, you know, maybe a, a jar of candy in the kitchen and you um, divvy it out to your children. And then once it's gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we have a view of God's grace like that. It's this, it's this entity, this thing that God bestows upon us. And if that's how we think of it, we have a wrong-headed view of grace. Grace is not a thing. It's not really an entity. Grace is not stuff that God gives us apart from himself. And so if that analogy of the, the big pile behind the throne were true, then God would stockpile grace, and consequently, he could conceivably run out of grace. Mm. But he doesn't run out of it. And God gives us himself when we don't deserve it, and that is grace. Again, that oft-repeated definition of grace as an undeserved gift or unmerited favor, th- th- those things are right, but I, I don't really believe that they go far enough when they refer to the grace of God. Grace is a gift for sure, but God is not only the giver. He himself is the gift, and I think that's where a lot of us come short. God is... The, he is the gift of grace. He gives us himself. Um, so he, he graces us with himself. Mm. And so we have to stop looking that and really view that grace is not some sort of commodity that God mm. parcels out to us. Right. And you've just said that when God gives his grace, he's also giving himself. Right. But if that's what grace is, then what does grace do? Like, how does the grace actually work? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. Um, I'll say this: grace is not like this flowery bow that we wrap around our tidy little religious system, because when grace makes its appearance on the stage of your life, my life, grace changes everything. Grace saves. Grace sanctifies. At least that's the way it's supposed to be. But so often, grace is something we look back to rather than we move forward by. Mm. So confusion results because we don't get grace, meaning we receive it, but we're not transformed by it because we don't understand it. And in order to move forward in grace, we need to understand it. I, I think people, when they talk about their salvation experience, they'll say the grace of God has been revealed to me and I received, you know, by God's grace, I received mm. this gift of salvation. And then that's like, okay, now the work of grace in me is done. Mm. I just needed Mm -hmm. grace to get saved. Mm -hmm. But that's looking back at it, which we ought to do. But grace really is a transformative thing in our lives. And in order to move, you know, we can move forward in grace. It just doesn't have to be something that stays in our salvation story. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to understand it in order to move forward in it. So how do we do that then? Help us to get there. Well, let, let me share a few things. And as I do, if you'll read the scripture for us sure. on, on each one of those things. So let's consider how grace comes to us, how it's manifested toward us. So first of all, God's grace is manifested in justification. Now, justification, that's a topic I can't wait for us to get to in a future podcast. Mm. But the the verse around that's out of Romans 3. Yes, and it's Romans 3, actually 23 and 24 that says, 
being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So there we find grace having to do with salvation and justification. Mm -hmm. So in Romans 3 there, Paul builds a case that no one, none of us, can claim innocence before God. We're all guilty of sinning against him. But through Christ's death on the cross, God, through his grace, has redeemed us. And secondly, grace the grace of God is manifested in regeneration, and that'll be another podcast topic down the road. That is, God has imparted spiritual life to us. Hmm. And in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, we read, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And immediately before those verses, Paul says that it is by grace that we have been saved. We are absolutely dependent upon God's grace for even the faith to believe in Him. In other words, sinners are dependent on God's gracious gift of grace for their believing response to Christ. From the moment of conversion, even before conversion, God's grace is active. So in in Ephesians 2, Paul's making explicit what is implicit elsewhere in the New Testament about the ultimate source of saving faith, and that's grace. Mm. Thirdly, God's grace is manifested in the entire living of the Christian life. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And you just thought Popeye said that. I am what I am. <laughs> but he got, Popeye got that from Paul. I didn't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> do we have that direct correlation? I don't know if we do. Uh, probably not. <laughs> well, we also see in Acts 14, verse 26, that Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas were, had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. So the, the Christians, the church in Antioch, had been commended to the grace of God for ministry that they had done, work that they had fulfilled. So now what that tells us is that the church there in Antioch, in sending out Paul and Barnabas as evangelists, as proclaimers of the gospel, saw whatever success attending their efforts is going to be completely dependent on God's grace. So now we see grace there in Acts 14, grace being an integral ingredient in the life and ministry of the church. In other words, we're sending out Paul and Barnabas, but if if the grace of God isn't doing its thing, they're not going to see any fruit in their ministry. And and in so many of Paul's apostolic blessings in all of his writings, he shares the blessing of grace upon the believers. For example, how many times does Paul begin one of his letters with grace and peace to you? As he signs off some of his letters, he extends them grace. For example, in uh, the end of Galatians 6, 18. Yeah, and I think we hear it a lot as a benediction, right? Mm-hmm. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, spirit, brethren. Yep. Amen. He, he's just giving us that, 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 that grace as a blessing. Finally, uh, God's grace is manifested in the sanctification of believers. Sanctification is another future podcast. <laughs> Um, and Paul speaks about the sanctification of believers in Titus when he, when he says this. Yeah, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny all ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And that comes from Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. And so there, 
we find Paul connecting salvation to grace and the fact that grace empowers and guides us to living Christ-like lives in a fallen world. All right, you knew it was coming. Here's the question. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Let's all say it together. I know. So what? What does you know? What does this all mean for us? Give us something to carry with us through this week, specifically in regard to grace. Well, it's almost like I knew you're going to ask this question. Almost. So maybe what I share here won't just last this day or this week, <laughs> but maybe maybe it will last you your lifetime. Um, so I want you, kitchen table theologian, to think of grace in two ways with me for just a second as we end. Think of grace as costly and think of grace as cheap. Uh, so let's, let's have our, our, our German theologian fr- friend, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, <laughs> school us in this. He wrote this great book. You know, he was really, I think you could call him a martyr for the faith. He was killed by the Nazis mm. just days before the end of World War II. He wrote a book uh, called The Cost of Discipleship. He, he wrote it from prison. I believe it was that book. But any, at any rate, here's what he said. Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, mm-hmm. baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And he says, costly grace, on the other hand, costly grace is the kingly rule of Christ, for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. Mm -hmm. It is the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. Hmm. Costly grace. Costly grace and a very vivid picture, you know, and as we kind of tie things up today, going back to where we started, I'm, I'm still stuck on the first point that you brought out today, um, you know, that grace is unending. And it, it makes mm-hmm. me think that those that have written worship songs and have written hymns where they've, they've linked it to images of the ocean, because we think of the ocean as vast and, yeah. and, and unending, that maybe mm-hmm. there's some, there's a beautiful tie-in there's, to it that. It seems in, inexhaustible. Mm-hmm. But you even know? then in of itself, but even, it can't be even contained. The, the, yeah, the, even yeah. the illustration of the ocean falls short mm-hmm. when you compare it to God's grace, as most everything does when we compare it to God. As most everything does. Well, hey, we hope you've enjoyed this today. I certainly have. And if you haven't subscribed to Kitchen Table Theology yet, do so right now. Go ahead and head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, or whatever platform you're listening from and click subscribe. Every week, we're putting additional resources up for your study and personal growth in God's Word. Subscribing makes sure that you won't miss a thing. If today's podcast has brought up a question or two, just shoot us an email at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org or watch Pastor Jeff's Instagram story at Pastor Jeff Cranston because we give you opportunities to ask questions there as well. We love hearing from you guys. And as a quick reminder, today's podcast has been brought to you by Pastor Jeff's new book, Your Greatest Adventure. You can purchase it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, even at Walmart.com. Oh, yeah, man. Woo. I'm trying to get Waffle House to carry it. Oh. Let let me know when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) You can learn more about your greatest adventure also at jeffcranston.com. As we wrap up today's podcast, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that our time together today has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. Our next podcast will be on the faithfulness of God. We hope you will join us. You won't want to miss it. 
See you next time right here on Kitchen Table Theology. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.